0: For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And whosoever means me, and it means all of you. I have had one of those weeks where the mornings have begun at like five, and they don't end until nine or ten, and I actually just came from a meeting, so I'm feeling really rushed and frazzled right now. But uh, such is life, right? Uh, and if you would, over the next couple of days, if you'd say a prayer, I, I'm coming down with a cold and I have surgery scheduled for next week, and if I'm sick, they won't operate. So uh, I'd rather they operate. Um, so it's a minor thing, but if you, you think about it, I'd appreciate that. You know, I was thinking this morning after yesterday's election results, especially here in Ohio, um, it's hard not to be a little down. Um, we forget, though, sometimes in our distress, that this is not new to God. And humanity is no more wicked today than it's ever been. It's just that the wickedness looks different than it has in the past. But it's not new. Uh, And this morning, just by happenstance, my devotional's reading was from Psalm 116. You don't have to turn there. Uh, It's not really the the point tonight, but something new jumped out at me uh, in Psalm 116. And specifically, it was in verse 10. And I'm not going to read the whole context, but David writes in verse 10 Therefore I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said, In my haste. That struck me. David admits there that in his haste, he jumped to the negative. He bemoans his state. He says, In my haste. And it's a human tendency to jump to a quick conclusion. But when we do so, we tend to focus on the negative as opposed to the positive. It's not a flaw. It's hardwired in our DNA. We're made that way. It's a safety response. It's a normal reaction. We shouldn't beat ourselves over it, up over it. But what we should do is remember David's example. He says, in his haste, he sees his affliction, his trouble. But then in verse 13, he writes, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. There's the key. Too often, the second thing we do, just like David does, or he admits he does in this psalm, should have been the first thing. He called upon the Lord after his haste. He should have done it first. We usually get the order wrong, and God understands that about us, which is why he reminds us all the time throughout the Bible to be quiet. But the Bible also references something else, and it reinforces this point often we're gonna look at the other thing that the Bible emphasizes a lot tonight. This fall, I joined a men's Bible study group and I really like how this group is structured. Uh, A book of the Bible is chosen and then every week we read a little bit of it together. Maybe a chapter, maybe 10, 15 verses depending on the length of the chapter, things like that. And then we just sit and we silently reread until someone sees something in it that jumps out at them. There's not a lot of talking at this Bible study. It's an hour, and it meets early in the morning. It's a 6.30 in the morning Bible study. So to be quiet is kind of a struggle at that time of the day because you, you're trying to wake yourself up. But we do that. There's a lot of silence, and there's a lot of reflection because we're not listening for each other. And It's, how much am- it's amazing how much more you see when we read and you don't start immediately discussing it and dissecting it. You just kind of read it and let it wash over you. We're currently in the book of James in this Bible study, which today, this changes from time to time, is my favorite book in the Bible. At least for this season of my life, it's my favorite. The book of James is a bit of a spanking for the believer, and I mean that in a good way. James gets into the nitty gritty of how we should try to live. And often we find ourselves lacking if we read that book carefully, I do. Let's listen to something in James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This verse encapsulates the essence of effective communication and personal growth. This simple yet powerful instruction, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, holds immense significance for our relationships, our understanding, and our spiritual journeys. It's striking that the first trait that James mentions and admonishes us to do actively is to listen. If one is listening, regardless of the circumstance, they are not talking. James's focus here is the appropriate way to approach so many situations in life, be they spiritual, secular, it doesn't matter. Looking at the context of James sheds some light on James's focus. James, of course, is the half-brother of Christ, and he's addressing this epistle to Jewish believers scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They faced trials, they faced persecution, and at lots of internal conflicts, making it crucial for them to cultivate strong communication skills and to manage their emotions effectively. The stakes were high for them, And the list that James gives us, he places listening at the top of the hierarchy. It's number one for a reason. It's because listening is one of the most profound and powerful ways of showing that we value or care about someone or something. Be that something the word of God or other people. James's first instruction elevates the importance of listening, be quick, to listen," he writes, emphasizes the importance of actively engaging with others' thoughts, feelings, and perspectives. It's about putting aside our own agendas and our own assumptions to truly hear what others have to say. Effective listening requires attentiveness. It requires empathy and a willingness to understand, notice I didn't say accept, but to understand Different viewpoints. Sometimes I'll be talking at, to my mother, and I'll go off on some tangent, just yakking about something, and she listens. She doesn't tune me out. That does not necessarily mean that she's interested, or that she agrees, or finds agrees with, or finds what I'm saying valuable. Her listening simply means that she loves me. She loves me enough to give me her attention, and more importantly, her time, which is a non-renewable resource. I miss my Aunt Donna on a daily basis, and time has made me realize that part of that hole that I cannot fill with her gone is because we actively listened to each other. I enjoyed hearing what she had to say, and she listened to me. And by doing that, we learned a lot about ourselves, about each other, and about the world around us. Recently, my mother and I were having a very heated conversation. We were both getting upset, we were both getting hurt. Not intentionally, we weren't fighting, we were just not doing a very good job of listening. I had skipped over part one of verse 19 and I had jumped straight into the second parts, speaking and anger. As we both got more and more frustrated, I recall each of us saying some version of that's not what I said or that's not what I'm saying. Being misunderstood was frustrating for both of us. So we took a step back. We made it a point to actively listen to what the other one had to say, and to acknowledge it as valuable, even if we did not understand it. And then we ended the conversation. And after we were done talking, and here's the key, we both kept listening. Thinking back over what had been said, we kept thinking, we kept praying. And when you do that, the unease, the anger, it will settle appropriately. The Bible has a lot to say about listening. It's full of verses that encourage us to listen. I'm going to rattle off quite a few. I won't read all of them. Proverbs 1, verse 5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Consider some of these other verses. As I said, I I won't read all of them, but feel free to look them up later if you so choose. The context surrounding some of them, which we don't have time to get into tonight, is, is really enlightening. It's interesting to see the circumstances under which it's uttered. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers before he hears it is folly and shame for him. Ecclesiastes 5.1, this one's blunt. I, I was shocked when I realized how blunt it was. Keep your mouth shut and your ears open and listen to what the wise are saying. Not many ways to interpret that. <laughs> Matthew 13.9, these are the words of Christ. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 4.23, listen well, to what you hear. Whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Luke 10, 39. I love this. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his words. John eight forty seven, He who belongs to God hears what God says. Acts 17, 11, I won't read it because it's a longer verse. James 1, right after what we're, we've been focusing on tonight. And Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing. Hmm. I'd never noticed that before. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And there are many, many more in the Bible as well. Those are just a few. Reference books say that there are over 400 mentions of active listening in the Bible. These verses teach us that listening is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of maturity. It's also a way to show love and respect to others. When we listen to someone, we are saying that we value their thoughts and their feelings. It's also very telling, I think, how often Jesus says some version of he who has ears to hear Let him hear. He says it a lot. He means first and foremost, of course, listen to him. The epitome of wisdom, listen to and follow Jesus. But Jesus' life, not just his words, also demonstrate the importance of listening. Jesus asked such perceptive questions of people and he waited for their answers. Jesus (laughs) waited to hear what other people had to say. I find that remarkable. Time and again, when Jesus encountered people, even people who he knew were full of nonsense, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious people, I don't mean that in a good way, though obviously there are bad religious people. He still listened, if you go and look, to their questions and their arguments. He didn't shut them off, he let them speak. He listened. And then after he listened, in his case, he dismantled their arguments. But his listening to them, before rebuking them, gave even more credence to his words. Because he demonstrated that he had heard them. And because he had heard them, he could accurately and thoughtfully respond to them. I love the story of the woman at the well in John chapter four. Um, You can turn there if you want. We won't read the verses, but um, there are a lot of references to it that will maybe make more sense if you go back and look at it at another time and what I'm gonna say tonight. The woman at the well, There's a lot you can mine from that story, Um, but I hadn't hadn't really thought of it this way before until I started looking at it under this perspective. I, I love it for many reasons, but in the context of this lesson, I love it because Jesus had a respectful conversation with this woman. Actually, they were both, the woman and Christ, were quite remarkable and kind to each other. She deserves some credit too, if you look at that conversation. He listened to her. And although he spoke truth to her, he did not speak harshly. And to her immense credit, she listened to him. They had actually a very deep conversation, theologically. A conversation filled with significance and meaning. If you go back and look at it, and I encourage you to do so, think of it through this perspective. It's a a different way of kind of examining it. She asked some really good questions. And he listened. And he heard those questions. And then he addressed them. This conversation between Jesus and this woman demonstrates five key principles of listening well. First, there was a conscious effort to pay attention to the person who was speaking on both their parts. They put away distractions and they focused on what the other person was saying. I doubt she continued to try to draw water while he was talking. She was in this. They were looking and listening to each other. Second, they were open-minded. There was no judgment or criticism. There are simply in that story simple, gentle statements of truth. Jesus let this woman express her point of view and even her theological understanding, because she starts to branch into theological realms, at least her understanding of it, in that conversation, although it was limited, her understanding. He listened before he responded, even though he probably did not agree with her views. Third, both parties asked questions in response to what they heard. Asking questions showed their interest for what the other person had to say and that there was a desire to learn more. Fourth, Jesus gave feedback, summarizing what she said, offering her a form of support, And even at one point, asking her for a clarification of something she had said. Jesus did not need her to explain what she meant. He knew what she meant. He did that for her benefit, to show her that he was invested. Finally, both parties were patient. It takes time to build trust and rapport with someone. And through that conversation, a great truth was learned by this woman and later as a result of that woman's testimony the bible says quote many came to believe in him that's an impactful conversation in the spiritual dimension james's instructions in verse 19 extend beyond interpersonal communication obviously reaching into our spiritual lives once again let's look at james 1 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I've not addressed the other two points that James emphasizes in this verse, speaking in anger. For the sake of brevity, I will leave that for another time, but we should return to it someday. But I think there's enough with listening to focus on for a Wednesday night. As a final thought, I believe that by cultivating the habit of listening attentively, we become more receptive to God's guidance and his teachings. And that's the ultimate point of it all, being in his will. Slowing down our speech aligns our words and our hearts. That's probably the biggest issue with communication that I personally have. Our words don't always express in a meaningful or appropriate way what we are feeling in our hearts. Probably because, in my case, I haven't taken the time to listen or I've spoken too soon. And I have to remind myself, and I don't always do a good job of it, be quick to listen. Slow is the adjective he uses to describe everything else. As I was saying, slowing down our speech aligns our words with our hearts, allowing our prayers and our expressions of faith to be more genuine and thus more impactful. And by controlling our anger, we create a space for peace and spiritual growth, fostering a closer relationship with God. A friend of mine, a good Christian man, sent me a text earlier this week after I had reached out to him about something that came up in my life that I was not sure how to respond to. Pardon me for just a second. This is what his text back to me said in full, and I quote, Well, my advice would be to take your mom's advice and pray about it. I will be in prayer for you as well, and I will be happy to listen to your thoughts tomorrow when I see you. In sum, this is what he said to me. Pray about it. I will pray for you. I want to listen to you. Wow. That's a powerful response. James 119 provides a timeless guide for effective communication, personal growth, and spiritual development. By embracing the principles of quick listening, slow speaking, slow anger, we can cultivate stronger relationships and enhance our understanding and deepen our connection with God. I know my personal failings. I I saw a a powerful testimony once from Gloria Gaither, and she was talking about, um, it's a classical piece, and I can't remember the name of it, but she rewrote words. It's a, a classical instrumental piece, and she wrote words to it, Um, And the song is called, I Believe, I Then Shall Live as One Who's Been Forgiven, which is a great lyric. Wow. And she said to the interviewer, and she got a little emotional as she said it, she said, you know, I don't need someone to tell me what's wrong with me. I know what's wrong with me. I need someone to offer grace when I don't deserve it, mercy when I haven't earned it. And the more, you know, I've been a Christian since 2017. But I wasn't the same Christian I was in 2017 that I am now. Lots Lots has changed. Views have changed. Values have changed. Convictions have changed. That's true for me. It's true for you. And that's a good thing, by the way, that we aren't on each other's schedule. We're on God's. And that he keeps working. And he keeps nudging. And I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I screw up, I screw up a lot. And I don't mean in big ways, although that happens occasionally too, but just in small ways. My mouth gets ahead of my brain, my anger gets ahead of my patience. All those things. And yet, I love that children's song, He's Still Working On Me. And, oh, maybe a year or two ago, I don't remember how long ago now, Sometimes if I'm cleaning or I'm doing a repetitive action, something will get stuck in my head, a song or whatever, and I'll just be singing it while I'm doing this mindless activity, and it's just, you know, your brain goes on autopilot. And I had gone to lunch that afternoon, and my niece had been in the car, and she was singing that song. They must have sang it in children's church or something that morning. And so it was in my head, and I was singing it a lot. as I was I think I was cleaning, if I remember correctly, going through the house, and just on autopilot, kept singing that song, and it hit me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. God has spent more time on me, and he's spent more time on you than he spent in creating the ever-expanding universe. That's insane. It's actually not insane. It's love. Blows my mind that I have taken more of his time than all the moons of Jupiter. Let us strive, as individuals and as a body, to embody these principles of quick, being quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to wrath, slow to speak. Let's work to embody these in our daily lives, becoming first, more mindful listeners. Not just, by the way, to each other, but to the world as Christ demonstrated at that well. Because by listening to them, we're showing that we value them. Does it mean tolerate? Does not mean accept? That's not what I'm saying. Becoming more mindful listeners, thoughtful speakers, and individuals who reflect the peace and the wisdom of God. We do that. God will expand his kingdom. He's promised us that.